Hello and welcome to Driving Mobility. When we talk about electrification, we often talk about personally owned vehicles, the Teslas and Fords of the industry. But if you think about it, it's the medium and heavy duty trucks, which make up 5% of vehicles on the road, that account for about a quarter of US transportation emissions. To make meaningful inroads on the path to net zero, we have to put significant effort into electrifying our fleets, those vehicles that are essentially always in use and centrally managed. I'm Kristen Slinina, Chief Innovation Officer of Park My Fleet, and I am today's host of the Driving Mobility Podcast. Here today to discuss the electrification of fleets and much, much more. We have Julie Johnson, the head of US development at Volta Trucks, a Swedish company that manufactures electric trucks. Thank you so much for joining us today, Julie. I'm excited to be here as well. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. I'd like to start out with a little bit about your background because you have had such an interesting and impressive career so far. What has your journey been and how is that taking you to where you are today? I've moved around quite a bit and have had my fair share of experiences across multiple industries. I grew up on a farm. My dad and my mom invested in a farm when I was, I think I was eight years old and it was in Milford, Delaware. We had a chicken farm, but we had lots of little animals. I used to go to the auction with him and came home with a baby goat one time because I just fell in love with them. That is so fascinating. And I have to say, it's not many people in the industry that started up on a farm. We worked really hard in the early stages because he was building as an entrepreneur, you know, focused on living, living off the farm, right? Had a very big garden. So I always had to weed. Did I like that? No. And I, you know, <laughs> they always say work smarter, not harder. Let me just tell you, you got to do both. And I think that's sort of the lesson learned when it came to the farm. And it was also just really fun. It was, it was a lot of fun. I decided to go to school at the University of Delaware, studied international relations through college. I actually worked, where did I find myself in the beginning of my journey or the beginning of my career was working for a bank. It's MBNA America, which is now Bank of America. You know, I've made my way through a number of different industries. I was in the pulp and paper industry, building markets for uh, eco papers, decided to go into healthcare. So treating the symptoms of, of our environmental concerns. Oh, excellent. You know, so Julie was, was curious about what specifically then inspired you to work towards net zero emissions, you know, making cities and transportation overall cleaner and greener. I had a 10-year stop in the pulp and paper business, print and advertising, focusing on environmental papers. And obviously that focus was very much on natural resource savings and um, reducing chemical use, trying to help the businesses and consumers understand more about the impacts of you know, a multi-billion dollar industry on our day-to-day lives. And very much a part of that, obviously, it was trucks, right? So, I mean, I was chasing Teamsters. I always joke around. I was chasing Teamsters around the country, trying to figure out where you know, our, our millions of pounds of paperwork at any given time. So, so I think transportation and, and trucking was, was part of my world then. It just wasn't the core focus. So making that transition into the industry for me was kind of finding my way back into the sustainability that space from healthcare. Yeah. yeah. It seemed and, a stretch, but it wasn't. And, you know, so tell us a little bit more about Volta Trucks. So what really is the purpose of the company and what specifically drew you to that? Volta Trucks is an electric commercial truck manufacturer. We're based in Europe and uh, our whole focus is building and delivering electric trucks 
for sustainable cities. The trucks are designed to support drivers, to give them a, a great working environment, and then also to, to create a safety profile of a vehicle that's really taking into consideration the environment that it's operating in every single day. And that's vulnerable roadway users, you know, getting better visibility. We really represent the future of, of just an impact business. We, we play a really unique pioneering role on many levels with the technology design. I, I discovered them through, really through LinkedIn two years ago, watched their reveal. It was, I think, at 1.30 a.m. and I stayed up that night. I really wanted to see what what the company was all about and, and, and the truck that they were going to be, uh, they were revealing. And during that presentation, you know, I, I discovered who this company was. Let's get into that then. So how would you say Volta is differentiated? Like, let's get into that. Really focusing on uh, using the word transparency. I know sometimes that can be a, feel like a bit of a buzzword, but sharing what it is that we're doing, sharing where, where we are today from a footprint perspective, we're working on that. So defining what's our baseline carbon footprint as an organization, yeah. right? So I like to call it life cycle emissions. So kind of on this journey with our customers and at the end of the life cycle of that vehicle, what happens next, right? What what happens to all those material? I think there's going to be a tremendous opportunity to develop new supply chains, chain of custody type of situations. So, you know, how do we know what material is coming in and, and where it's going at the very, at, you know, at the end of the life cycle? So kind of really creating that circular economy perspective. All companies need to strive for that circular economy mentality. Yeah, exactly. And so, Julie, tell us a little bit more about your role at Volta. Sure. So, so my role is focusing on the U.S. market development, working with fleets, bringing voices into the, into the company to help us share more about what the needs of the U.S. market are when it comes to logistics and freight movement. And, and really focusing on a growth plan because the more successful we are, the greater the success for the environment and our future generations because we're delivering a zero emission technology. You know, we are disrupting. We've pioneered a new cab design for our medium duty logistics and freight space. So I'm excited to bring that to the U.S. market. We're sharing it, but not many have actually seen it yet. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. Is actually so tell us about this unique cab design. We didn't have to design around an engine. We started with a clean sheet of paper. And said, "What can what? How how can we do this differently than how it's done today? It's a center drive, which we've seen as you know Tesla's um, Class Eight tractor uh, introduced that. So it's a center drive. It's and it's a low center seating. So for me, I'm five three. I can put my elbow up on the windshield wiper of of the windshield, Amazing. and that's very different than what we're used to. So that gives the driver and and pedestrians or vulnerable roadway users the ability to see each other, right? It, it's, it's removing just these natural blind spots that happen that are different in every different type of cab. And then the ability for the driver to step out from the vehicle on the right or left side onto the curb. So removing, you know, removing so some nice. of these risks that today our drivers, you know, manage through and the, and the rigors of having to, to, to climb up in and out of a cab every day. And, you know, and the hope is that you know, this is a design that, that is a future design for our, you know, urban logistics industry. I love that innovation and that, you know, it's just as you say, like, what are some of the pain points and how do you solve them in creative ways? That's great. So, you know, Julie, the EV industry is so rapidly evolving that what would you say are some specific struggles that the industry is seeing as they're developing these EV trucks? I mean, we're building from the ground up a new industry, right? Where we don't have the history to rely on from the past of, 
of supply chain development, you know, building out the power capacity, you know, upgrading our, our grid and, and what is our resiliency planning, you know? And then I think the other piece of it is, you know, what's going to happen at the end of the life of these batteries too, which I think is incredibly important for us to, to be thinking about. So how would you describe some of those biggest challenges especially in achieving net zero emissions. We've got a lot of history behind us. We've been operating the, the vehicles that we operate today in transportation, particularly in freight and logistics for, for a really long time. And, and asking uh, the industry to make this shift is, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big undertaking, right? It's a big undertaking. And a lot of us obviously are very focused on developing uh, the infrastructure to support, specifically, I would say, you know, all the zero emission fuels really right now, specifically electrification and, and hydrogen fuel. But with electrification, you know, we know that we really have got to innovate to have the power solutions to be able to support the volume of vehicles that we need to that we need to make the transition. My biggest focus right now and message is just flipping the history switch. You know, you know, we need companies to to jump in and start to gain their own experience because we can put these vehicles out there, but how they operate and perform in each fleet's sort of operations is going to be slightly different and, and how they optimize to that. So I think the biggest opportunity for all of us right now is is getting as many companies and organizations to step in and lean in and make those initial investments so that they can really kind of start to build their new history yeah, and it's, forward. It's like that snowball effect going down the mountain. I agree yep. completely. <laughs> yep, yep. Getting the momentum going, right? Getting the momentum. Exactly. What would you say is something that really excites you right now? Like gives you hope that we're are moving in this better and cleaner direction. Is there something that you can pinpoint? These organizations are going for it. They're making their carbon commitments, right? They're they're grounding in uh, science-based targets. You know, you've got three scope levels to to that pledge commitment. And, and that's a big deal because I think companies are making these commitments, but yet they don't have all the roadmaps to find yet. So they're saying, we're going to do this. And then they're going to back into it and figure out what do we need to do starting today? And really business planning for their environmental impact. That's sort of that risk position that everybody is really starting to take. And to me, that's super inspiring because sustainability has never had this amount of focus and dedication and commitment on a global level ever. I mean, I've been in it for 20 years. So I think right now we're in a really good place. We need to start getting that momentum moving. You need that flywheel to start gaining speed. How would you characterize the 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 struggles when it comes to developing EV trucks versus just automobiles? It's a big lift because these vehicles have duty cycles and they're out operating eight, 10 hours a day with a driver and they're weathering different topographies, different weather conditions. And the fact that they're operating constantly, it's not like our cars, right? You know, what are the impacts that are going to impact our range and our ability to be able to keep those vehicles in operation throughout a day, given any condition that they're in? And so I think for us, it's having a lot of engagement with fleets lots of conversation, understanding needs. But then we also have to think about, you know, the fact that it is a change. So we can't stay status quo. We've got to think differently. Yeah. We've got to open up mindsets. We have to have people really invested in getting in and open to the unknowns because we just don't know everything. We can plan for a lot of the what ifs that we can predict, right? Being in logistics and kind of understanding the things that we know happen day in and day out. But I think the more we get people and folks on board that are like, we've got to do this. And if you have this, we've got to do this mindset, 
we can we can we can tackle anything. So what achievement of yours personally in the green space are you most proud of? You know, for me, it's incremental. It, it's recognizing the incremental advancements that we're making day in and day out. You know, I've been involved with IKEA. Obviously, they've been very eco focused for a very long time. I knew them when I was back in the paper business, have worked really closely with them over the last you know, five years on, you know, this, their, their zero emission commitment. We're working with them and all the stakeholders involved in their New York deployment, to me, I think has been a tremendous opportunity and has actually given me a, 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 a tremendous amount of experience that I feel like I can share and give back to the industry because we actually deployed vehicles with infrastructure. We got them out on the road during the dead of winter in New York and really kind of had to navigate those what ifs and those challenges that come, right? And so really kind of experience what is that aftermarket opportunity and where are those gaps that we need to fill? We, we need to know what we need to solve for so that we can get to scale. How can we accelerate that scaling? Like you talked about all those unknowns, and I guess I would be interested to hear from your perspective. You know, what do you think are those big roadblocks that are preventing companies and fleets to like electrify and convert over even faster? There's silos that exist, right, through all organizations because everybody's kind of focused on their particular responsibility. And when you start talking about adopting a whole new set of goals and 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 requirements or, or creating this sort of impact aspect to these organizations, you know, it takes some internal collaboration. It takes a lot more internal collaboration and alignment. And I think I think companies are really have really kind of had to focus on figuring that out to then try and mobilize to move forward now with a pretty major transition. The, the industry is there. So I think there's activity happening. I just don't think everybody's made announcements yet because I think now is going to be the time that once you make a commitment, you want to really be able to deliver on it because that's going to be the really critical piece is the action. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on the electric vehicle movement kind of as a whole. Like how big of a role does this actually play in achieving net zero emissions? What should people know about EVs? Transportation can contribute 25, 30% to their carbon offset. And when you have, you know, a large fleet and you're looking at the biggest opportunity for you to make an impact, that that's it right there. I think the electric vehicle movement is, is incredibly important. And then when we think about the commercial trucking side, what is there, 10 times the number of light duty vehicles on the road versus trucks, yet trucks account for what, 25 to 28% of our of our emissions. We're really, really relying on the commercial space to get going, to help drive this transition. And I think it's, you know, it's really important too, because it, it is impacting our communities and our urban settings. So when we think about, you know, more micro mobility, trying to get people out of cars, reducing vehicle miles traveled. Well, if we're, if we are achieving that, we also need to achieve the emissions reduction because that means there's more people, you know, out on the roadways and exposed. And even our drivers are exposed just being in their cabs today. And as you know, I am a full proponent of converting fleets over. It's, you know, being centrally managed, it gives a lot better opportunity for a much faster transition. And that's what we need, faster transition. And I think some people feel like, oh, this is such a big undertaking. How are we going to do this? And I think it really is a major collaborative opportunity for our ecosystem to work together. You know, it's like building a puzzle. And and how do we do this is we just have to start. (laughs) Yes. It's not an all or nothing, right? I mean, if you have 10 vehicles, you know, you may not 
out the gate want to transition all 10, right? And I think that's what companies need to think about. Again, it's that it's that history switch, right? Get started, right? Get started. What is that bandwidth for you? If it's five trucks across five locations, yes. you know, is it two trucks in one? It's sort of mapping out what is that first sort of baby step. And then from there, I think it's just becomes sort of a wildfire scenario. And so Julie, I was curious. So do you drive an EV? And if so, which one? I do. I do. I actually got a, a Kia Nero. It was t- nice. two years ago in June, actually during COVID. They delivered it sight unseen. I had not even driven one, but we had a friend who had one and he loved it. Been super excited about the Nero. My husband jumped in it and fell in love with it. But charging out on the public network is, 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 has its challenges. It takes, takes some, takes some, uh, some training and some experience and you get really spoiled at home just being able to plug and plug and plug and play, right? Plug and go. Look, I drive at the Tahoe from the Bay Area in the winter. So, I mean, we can, we can do anything, you know, I feel very empowered with my EV. I haven't taken a cross country yet. That's the next step. That's the, the next, next step. step. That's a bucket list. <laughs> so as you mentioned, there's all these unknowns. So how do we encourage companies and fleets to electrify and how do we assuage the concerns of truck drivers who spent decades driving ICE vehicles? The last five years, I've spent a lot of time with drivers. For The first one was, a, was an electric class five van. And just to have that experience of, you know, watching how they, when they get in, what are the first things that they sort of see when they start driving it, sort of, you know, that experience, kind of talking them through the drive experience, how to optimize for it. It's really amazing, especially when you're in a vehicle like that and they haven't even driven a hybrid before. So (laughs) just no experience at all, right? And it was the majority of the drivers, I would say, five years ago. Driver experience, the driver feedback, it's it's incredibly positive. It's really, really positive. And, And honestly, I at first thought that they might be one of the biggest barriers. And I think they've become probably one of the biggest champions. But again, it's day to day. Not every moment is great because of the fear, what I call range reality. I mean, there is an anxiety around it, but really it should be a range reality. We're doing our job well and matching the right operation with the right vehicle based on performance capability. If we do that well and we're conservative initially, we should be able to get drivers into the seats of these vehicles and help these organizations feel confident that this is really a move in the right direction. I really like your term about range reality. So I'm just curious, you know, to kind of play more upon your trucker, um, you know, kind of listening to their issues and concerns. So what would be some of their key, their top two concerns? One, it is range. When we were navigating the New York project, we would hear concerns about, oh, you know, we're worried about whether we can make it back with the truck. And then, you know, we, we, we take a look at the, at the analytics, you know, we do data analysis on it. A lot of times we were finding the vehicles coming back with like a more than 40 or even 50% of range. You know, the great thing is we have a lot of data on these vehicles. So it is really important that we monitor that from a day-to-day perspective. I would say weather, is another. And, I, and it, it all comes back to range, to be honest. It really all comes back to that. It's not the cargo space, right? It's not the wheels. It's, you know, how far can I go? And am I, am I going to make it home? Am I going to make it back home, right? Right. It's the implication of the weather on the range. And so maybe you can talk a little bit more, con, you know, more in depth of the weather concerns. The, the challenge that we face is, is the aux power needs. So running the air conditioning, right? Running the heating 
And one of the things that came up was like, oh, well, let's, let's, you know, let's make sure that they're not just running the heat all day long. You know, and the first thing I come in and say, well, wait a minute, we, <laughs> this is their office. And the last thing we want for them to experience is uncomfort in the cab. That's just not acceptable, right? You need to be able to cool them or heat them. But what is the impact on that to the vehicle? And what can we learn from that? So how are we innovating to that, to be able to, you know, maintain the ranges where we are today. And so yeah. that's another reason why getting this momentum moving and getting more vehicles in operation and in real duty cycles, real world experience is just it's priceless, right? Data can really give us tremendous insights on on the correlation and then, and then the predictiveness of then us knowing exactly the energy usage for that next day route and then getting rid of that kind of rings and range anxiety and can I make it home? So- Absolutely. I would love to hear a story, an example of a trucker who transitioned to an EV and just didn't even look back. I had a, a partner down in Southern California, right? And the driver, you know, adopted the, the class five van. And anytime that van had to go in for some kind of a service, he always wanted the same van back. And we had, <sighs> we had multiple vans, right? So we could have traded it out. Hey, here, you can take this. No, 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 no. He wanted that same vehicle back because he got to know that vehicle. He understood it. And even though another vehicle looked exactly the same, same buttons, same lights, he connected to that vehicle. And to me, I think that speaks volumes. And I've actually heard that quite a bit, especially with yard goats. You know, those are the, 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 the class eights that move containers around yards. I have heard a lot of feedback that a lot of times when they decide who's going to drive the vehicle, seniority rules right? So the driver who's been on board the longest gets first right of refusal and that they will argue over who's going to get the electric tractor that day if they, if they have like one. And I've heard these stories kind of over and over again. And I just love Those it. Those are great. That. Yeah. How would you say that the average person can do to make a difference in our cities and in making transportation cleaner in general? You want me to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, my big thing. It's around education. Part of that is, you know, recognizing that our our health and wellness is impacted by our air quality issues. We can look at it and say, oh, what have we done wrong? I think we have to look at it and thinking that what can we do moving forward to drive this transition? Because we know ultimately what will happen is that we will have a healthier environment and if we're breathing cleaner air and I think for people making decisions every day is, you know, do we need to have that package tomorrow? Do I need to have that item that I just ordered online within an hour or two hours? Like we have the power to kind of change our habits that we probably adopted over time. I'll be honest. I have to focus on it a lot. You know, I don't, I don't place an order right away for one product online. I'll wait till I've got a few things that I, that I know I need. And I think those types of decisions, we need to realize that those directly impact the way that logistics works. Yeah. Because if we want products right now, an hour, two hours or the next day, think about what that does to um, through our, like, you know, our, our value chain or, you know, from a logistics standpoint, because we're having to mobilize trucks and packages, the more efficient we can be at moving our goods around and delivering those goods to our homes every day, that's going to be a major impact on reducing our emissions. Yeah, and, 
Julie, you made Julie, you made such a good point. I think if we all took that step back to just really look at the implications of some of our choices and just make smarter choices that are better for the environment. I think that's a great first step. You've had many different career trajectories. And I mean, you've raised kids too. So that's a balancing act. As a mom, sure, you know, it certainly is a balancing act. But everything I feel like I've focused on and do in my career is really for my kids and the future generations. So I do remind myself that, and I can't say that I've always balanced it as well as I should have, but you know, I think uh, we always want to be, we always want to be a better parent. What advice might you give young women starting out today? Go for it. The best thing you can do is go after your dreams, figure out what you're passionate about and and try and live your true self. For as long as we're all evolving, I think that's the biggest thing. What does evolving mean? For me, it's, it's always kind of learning and taking on the next challenge. I think those challenges are defined differently for each individual person. So I think understanding who you are and and, and stepping into it, leaning into it. I love that, Julie. Those are great words to start every day with. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate you joining us. It's always so much fun when I see you and we get to chat and catch up and and love what you're doing in that space. And looking forward to getting that Volta truck here in the U.S. I can't wait to drive it. Yes. It's coming soon. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again, Julie. Thank you.